everybody! Hello. Welcome to another episode. Hello! Yes. Hello. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> We're just... <laughs> it's a nice day. It's a nice day outside. It's, it's a nice day and it's a weird day. It's, it's also very cold outside. Day. It's a weird day. Yes. We are recording on April Fool's Day. Yeah, I... And forgot about that. I think it's hard to like enjoy April Fools when what's the joke? There's still a pandemic. <laughs> right. I think the greatest joke on all of us is that uh we thought that we could get through today without depression. I don't know. Depression. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to our podcast. Yes. Where we ask um very uplifting optimistic questions like Hey. Hey. Remember the odds? I do. Tom does? Yes. I do. I'm Courtney. And this is and... Um, Oh, I just realized this is the first time we're recording and I'm 30. Is it? I'm 30 years old. When did we record the Parallax episode? Maybe that was after I was 30. Oh, you're right. My What bad. is What is that? I was going to say it seems like 5 months ago. It was last week. You know what I remembered? What do you that remember? Tiger King yeah. is only a year old. What? I feel like it was 500 years ago. <sighs> and I, I don't think that Tiger King would have been as explosive as it was if it weren't for the pandemic. Oh, no, 100%. That, movie, that, showed, okay. that show really blew up because everyone was at home. Like what? Think right. about what's happened in a year. We had Tiger King. Everyone loved Tiger yes. King. Everyone hated Tiger King. And then Carol Baskins. Yes. Everyone thought Carol Baskins murdered somebody. And then she got on Dancing with the Stars. And then she got eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. All this happened yes. in a year. Yes. Yeah. Now every game show is just recorded in Australia. Oh. What if like this is just the biggest prank on all of us April that like Fools. Australia is like. Bet you all want to move here now, mate. With that, with their sense of humor, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, it's just like a weird, like nobody thinks it's funny except for the person, except for Australia. Australia is the only ones who think it, who thinks it's funny. I do appreciate the Australian sense of humor. I also appreciate their way of handling the pandemic. I yes. mean, kudos to them. <laughs> kudos to them. A shout out to Australia and New Zealand for actually handling this properly. You know what? I've said this for years and I'll say it again. You do not look at the world normally when you wake up and you just see marsupials and koalas in your trees. You're not like living life like a normal person. And maybe that's just like what you need to actually get through the pandemic in a successful way. So... Sun they did it. Yeah, they did it. Yeah. And I'm jealous. That's okay. But. Yes. On today's episode, mm -hmm. we are going to talk about something very special. Mm -hmm. And we are going to start our new mini-series that we have been uh, procrastinating on. <laughs> yes. What would you say? We did it, though. <laughs> We've been planning we did it. it. We did it. And we, we're starting now. New mini-series. I don't know when we decided to do this. 
as because the new one. I think it, it, it started a few weeks ago when I, I, it always starts when I text you something absurd. Right. And then it relates to this somehow. Right. We find a way to bring it back to our childhoods. I think I texted you about, it wasn't this song. We talked about All Star and Blue. <laughs> yes. Which are two songs that we do have to cover. Yeah. I'm Blue, Abadida, Badai, that song. Because Vice did a really cool docu- like mini doc about that song. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, and I was like, whoa. Like, it's just so fascinating, like, how, like, we'll talk about it in that episode itself, but just, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of wacky Italians making a pop song that would blow up. I think also you sent me a message saying, like, do you remember Eiffel 6? And I was like, do you mean Eiffel 65? <laughs> I forgot the five. I think you confused it with Eve 6, maybe. 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 Yeah. Eiffel 6. Do you remember Eiffel 6? Only six of them. <laughs> Only six Eiffel Towers. So... Yeah, and we also wanted to do a mini-series that wasn't just another series of themed movies. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, we wanted to do something separate. Yes, and I'm excited movies. about this, and I love this, and I think today is a great start. Yes. For many reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very special up. Ep- I don't know, I get sentimental when we talk about um, Adam Schlesinger. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. You're much more familiar with the song and group than I am, and but like obviously I know the song and I've done the research. And upon the research, like it always blows my mind just how much more and bigger these mm-hmm, bands mm-hmm. really are than I've ever realized. Mm-hmm. Tom, what is today's episode about? Today we talk about the song "Stacy's Mom" by Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> Stacy's mom has got it going on. Stacy's mom has got it going on. Do, do, do. Man. There was this weird era of aughts, like pop punk, where it was like bright colors, but then the band would only wear suits. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll have to do the click five. Which I think... Adam Schlesinger wrote for. Really? Hold on. I have to look this up. I'm pretty sure Just the Girl was written by Adam Schlesinger. I didn't know that. I'm going to look this up. Just the Girl. I was like, wait, Suits, Band. Might have been written by Adam Schlesinger. Yep. Yep. That's why it's so similar. Just the Girl by The Click Five was also written by Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. Wow. So many he things. He really, that... yeah. He, had his he hands like really involved. embedded himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was say, he has his hands involved in so many things. I had no, like, like that was the biggest thing for me was just learning about this band. Because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We take a look at the song. We're going to talk about the song in the video. But we always start with the band. We can think about the genius minds behind it. 
and just how mm -hmm. involved Adam was in like a bunch of things I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, even with Fountains of Wayne, uh, and we'll maybe start with like Fountains of Wayne, the band itself, but uh, I didn't really know any of their other songs, but I had no idea that I had actually been listening to music he had written my entire life. Yeah, and like so mm -hmm. just how local they are too. Yeah, that I had like, no idea. Yeah. Do you want me to get into a little bit of the history of Fountains of Wayne? Let's talk about who Fountains of Wayne are. When it comes to Fountains of Wayne, I think you really have to start with... Um, you have to start with Adam and Chris Collinwood. Mm -hmm. They were friends. I think they met at a university in Massachusetts. And they've always, like, I would say they met... Mm -hmm. And they kind of had a couple of acts going on. They've always been very musically involved. And they had a few acts together, but never really took off. But it was in 1995. They met back up in New York City and formed Fountains of Wayne. Cool. I love a good, I love a good band that starts in New York City. Like, that just feels right. Yeah. We have, mm -hmm. well, Adam is from, um, he was born in New Jersey. He's a New Jersey mm -hmm. boy. Um, he comes from a secular Jewish family. Well, he's actually from Manhattan and then New Jersey. Uh, his cousin, fun fact, is John Berthal of uh, Walking Dead Punisher. And, the, and the Punisher fame. I'm so glad, uh, John Berthal aside, I'm so glad that the Punisher really highlights how good of an actor he is because mm -hmm. I did not like him in The Walking Dead. I just didn't like The Walking Dead. I'm sorry, guys. That's fair. Once Stephen Young's character um, ended his time on the show, I was just like, fuck this show. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. I think they met at Williams College in the 90s, and that's how they met. Now, something I've, I didn't really know. I knew the song. But just how much like I would actually like their music, like they kind of mm -hmm. were. Would you would you describe? Because I would say you're the more musically inclined one. Would it be fair to refer to Fountains of Wayne as like a power pop group? Yeah, I think so. Um, I wish that I've spent more time actually listening to more Fountains of Wayne. But after um, Adam's passing, I felt like kind of emotional about going That's back fair. and listening to them. Yeah. So, um, from, like, what I've gathered, I would say power pop, but also, and one thing that has never really been touched upon is, I feel like they're also sort of a comedy pop band. Yeah. Yeah, because even Stacy's mom, now that I've, like, looked at Adam Schlesinger's career as, like, the whole spectrum and the whole, like, time he's been working, is, it's very funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's even reflective yeah. in, like, I would say a lot of what Adam does. Like, he writes yeah. music for shows, movies. He has other projects on the side. He has um, the band Ivy. He was recently releasing music for at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. like even just the fact that um, I didn't know this until you said it. He wrote music for Josie and the Pussycats. I got one of the best movies. Josie and the Pussycats is one of the most underrated movies of the 2000s. Sun, 
it's I've so never good. Seen it. I'm sorry. That's okay. Despite the movie's critical failure, the album still went gold and sold over 500,000 copies. Yeah. Now That's how good the music was. He also did that song for the movie that's named after the song That Thing You Do. <laughs> which is a song about a fictional band running, writing a one-hit wonder starring Tom Hanks. Yeah, did you ever see this movie? I love this movie. I it's love this been movie. A, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I love this movie, and I just had no idea. And it's got, like, it's got Ethan Emery, Steve Zahn, Liv Tyler, like, so many, and, and Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom yeah, Hanks. Yeah, they're, they're all great in it. Um, the music is fantastic. That song's I, amazing. I love, the song's amazing. Um, and you can hear Adam Schlesinger's voice in it. Like, once you realize who it is, you're yeah. like, oh my god, of course it's him. And what? he just has a really good knack for hitting the point of a song really well. Like, okay, yeah. this movie is called That Thing You Do. I'm going to write a song about it. Yeah. And then that's it. So it's like the comedy and like this like really ca- like I would say the the thing that makes them like when it comes to Fountains of Wayne and then Adam mm-hmm. it's all these songs are fucking catchy. Like yeah. they got that nice mix of rock and pop and just they're so catchy and it's weird because um I think they have two albums in the 90s. They were originally okay. part of Atlantic Records who would drop them in like 2000. But um, their first two albums, let me see, I have my notes here. We have their self-titled album, Fountains of Wayne, in 1996. Which, mm-hmm. that comes from, there's a there's a, uh, a fountain garden place in New Jersey called Wayne's. Yeah. So they named the band after this place in New Jersey. And then, like, very local, which I love. And then their second album in 1999, under Atlantic Records, utopia parkway is literally like i live like five minutes from utopia parkway it's this really big long road in queens new york if you're you know a new york city queens resident you'll be familiar Mm -hmm. no i was gonna say they are really good at picking up on things that are just like happening around them they don't i mean i don't know what their process was um personally like when they were working on something but it just feels like when they have an idea, they're just able to pick up on things. Like in 2007, when they released the album Traffic and Weather, it included the song I-95. Yeah. The weird Which thing is, is for their start, they've always been critically like critically well-received. Like They've always been loved by critics. But they're, I would say when you look at their first two albums... They were never really huge in the mainstream. They were always incredibly well received on like MTV radio play and like college radio, but they were never, Mm -hmm. at least at the start, not huge breakaway hits. And that's what kind of led Atlantic Records to dropping them. And they took a little hiatus, Mm -hmm. but they would return in 2003 with the album Welcome Interstate Managers. (laughs) And that's where this kind of, um, and it's weird because with the first two albums, they were like this pop, like this pop punk, like not pop punk, like this pop rock, like power ballad band mm-hmm. at a time when like in the later half of the 90s, this is the era of post grunge, like with Creed and Stained 
and pop music was really blowing up. So there wasn't necessarily an environment for a band like this. But in 2003, right. I think they just kind of hit that perfect mark. And then that's where we get the song that this episode is about. Sorry if I'm kind of jumping I... into it. Is there anything else you wanted to mention first? No, I mean, like, I, I would kind of lead into it, too. It's just that, like, this song was nominated for a Grammy. A Grammy! Yes. I mean, take what you will about the Grammys. That's fine. You know, like, it's a complicated scenario. But I love that this song was nominated for an award. It's beautiful. Yeah. Weird thing, side note about the Grammys. Yes. Um, yeah. They're getting all the, like, you know, they've been heavily criticized and rightfully so i'm not here to defend the grammys fuck the grammys but what's interesting for me is like people are criticizing it and rightfully so like the weekend fucking deserved some recognition they threw shade at him my god Um, that whole album is so good and they just chucked it into the gutter yeah but like it's very evident and obvious the racial discrimination going on Mm -hmm. but also as someone who grew up a metalhead I was never, like, akin to the Grammys in the first place. So when people are like, how could the Grammys be so blatantly judgy? I'm like, listen, man, nothing I've ever liked was liked by the Grammys. So I've been right, I've, just, I've been ignoring them for so long. <laughs> I mean, when you think about, like, the only Grammys nominations that matter, as far as the media goes, what gets the most media coverage, it's those, like, main four or five, right? And yeah. then sometimes, eventually, the Grammys will just, like, give album of the year to somebody that a lot of white listeners are like, I really like this band, including some bands that I love, which is, like, Arcade Fire, but also, like, Mumford & Sons, Beck, you know, I still feel like Lizzo should have won some awards over Billie Eilish. I loved both of those albums. Well, but... I think Billie Eilish even thought this. Yeah, yeah, and that's why her whole speech was just about Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. So. But now, as we've gotten older, as we've gotten past 2003, when Stacey's mom first came out, I am genuinely like glad that this song was nominated for an award. I think at the time, I would have been like, this song is so ridiculous and stupid. I can't believe it would be nominated. Now I'm like, hell yeah, this song's amazing. Well, it's just so goddamn catchy. Like, there's no denying that. Like, everyone instantly knows the chorus and that build up and just that dun 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 Stacey's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Stacey's mom has got it going on. She's all I want. I think this also, and maybe, you know, you would agree or disagree, this was also sort of the on the cusp of being the alternative song that they would play once every dance at yes. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This counted as like an alternative song that they could play. Yeah. This counted as the alternative song that was cool enough to play. And everyone talked about Stacy's mom. And why did everyone talk about Stacy's mom? Because there's an amazing music video that I think like, yes, the whole video is just a like homage and tribute to the movie fast times at Richmond high. I've never watched it because, I mean, there's so many movies and TV shows about teenagers having sex that I guess, like, that's one that I don't need to watch. I would, I recommend, I like Fast Times at Richmond High. It's, um... Okay. But you know what it is, like, 
I think the thing that you might be thinking about is like, because we were young and we were growing up in the era of like the American Pie movies and the American Pie right. sequels. And I think I even texted you one day. I'm like, Courtney, they made another sequel this year. What the fuck is going on? Why is there another American Pie movie? We don't need any more straight to video movies when they're streaming. Like, what I the know. hell? I know. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually not making straight to DVD movies anymore. They're just making um straight to coffee table coasters. <laughs> they just look like DVDs and you could play them like DVDs, but they are actually coasters. So yeah. thank you, American Pie, for um all those coasters. I would say though, like something like Fast Times at Richmond High is more akin to a movie like American Graffiti or um Okay. Or, like, Dazed and Confused, like, more coming-of-age okay. high school tales. Like, mm-hmm. those are not, like, they're not, their main premise is not four dumbass boys who are clearly, like, in their late 20s figure out how to have sex for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're finally out of the, we're finally out of the trenches of, high school movies featuring people who are like 30 yeah you know if you're old enough to rent a car then you might have been in a high school movie about sex yeah yeah so this um but video, so, so let's talk about the music video let's yeah. talk about the music video this yes. video you see, gets released on in July of 2003. It's directed by Chris Applebaum, who Chris Applebaum oh, yeah. has also directed Party in the USA, <laughs> Miley Cyrus's <laughs> Party in the USA, Usher's Dive, Demi Lovato's Heartbreak, as well as a few other things. And I like that com- song. And commercials for Carl's Jr. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if I knew that name that- sounded familiar. Wait, yeah. did, was it Carl's Jr. that did that, like, burger commercial with Paris Hilton? Yes, it did. I wonder if he directed that one. I don't know. I know. I've known that name. I've heard of that name before. Um, I didn't specifically know. Maybe it was through the Party in the USA it's music party video. Party in the USA. I know. I have that little, like, guitar chord stuck in my head now. The dun 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 Hopped on the plane to LAX with my dream in my cardigan. Oh my god, do I know all the words to Party in the USA and I just didn't know it? (gasps) Oh my god. Revelations have been revealed. Uh, Okay. So, I watched this music video, like, right before we started recording. Yes. And I, I think it's a good thing that I waited till approaching 30 to watch it again because... Once again, I think in between when this came out and now, there would have been plenty of time for me to be like, ugh, this music video is stupid and sexist. And now I'm just like, whatever. It's such a silly, ridiculous video. It's silly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's it's more, I think it's lightheartedly it's, jabbing at the like yeah. angst of a dumb young boy who it's falls more in like love camp. with Stacy's mom. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, more campy than, like, being actually, like, oh, Stacy's mom is so hot. Yeah, it's it's not, I, I'll put it this way, on the on, on the scale, I'm making up the scale right now in my head. Okay. okay. On the scale of um, objectification. Okay. Where. What should be, like, the two 
end monikers. Like, the what worst. The, the worst example would be. I'm just gonna say is Porky's. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. 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 And maybe like the more in, uh, appropriately interpretive satirical take would maybe be, let's say, uh, something. Hmm. Uh, I just I automatically knew that like I was gonna say this song this music video is not Porky's because Porky's was right. gratuitous and gross and objectifying for the sake of being gross objectifying and un, you know but um, what would be the opposite of Porky's um, maybe Animal House Animal House you know you can have the debate but I haven't seen it in a long time so I don't want to necessarily say right off the back like Animal House um, maybe Super Bad what's up. Maybe super bad. Super bad, yeah. So on a scale yeah, from super because bad, because I feel like, <laughs> yeah, because they talk only about like being horn dogs and want to have sex, and then they are all in situations where like they don't get to have sex. Oh, fun fact! Did I and tell it, you? Like, I rewatched yeah. that movie recently. Hmm. I love that movie. It is so funny. Like there are only I bits, love that movie. There's only bits of dialogue that I'm like, ah, it didn't age great, but it's not like it's all satirical. It's all fun, and it's all like you said, like they're all talk, but then like they get put in these awkward scenarios, and it's like, oh no, this is like honestly like feels like a kid at 17 writing about his experience trying to talk to a girl for the first time. Yeah, and I feel like they all like start the movie at one point where they're like this is what we're gonna do we're gonna get drunk and fuck bitches and then like the girls that they set out to be their targets i'm gonna use air quotes for that targets so that like sets that has the same exact setup for a lot of these kinds of movies but then they interact with the girl in a way that helps them grow as a person and they don't have sex with them and then they end up building a stronger relationship with the female that was their original quote-unquote target yeah, yeah, and then they the, end up being better people exactly because the girls are yeah. going after or the girls are interested in are human beings mm-hmm. so in right, exactly. to interact with a human being they grow so yeah I, i'm gonna go this is the scale yeah. there's three okay. there's three sides to the scale well there's a there's super bad which is like a more satirical look at objectification in the middle we have american pie not so smart not so clever but not terrible either it's just dumb and then the worst the worst is porkies where everything they intended to do was being objectifying Okay, I've never seen Porky's, but I guess also that's kind of what I picture for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, you don't need to watch Porky's Coin. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to watch Porky's. Are you sure? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, I'm like 100% sure you don't need to watch Porky's. That's fine with me. So, um, yeah, so the music video starts out. He is like, this little boy is like with his friends. And then the mom drives up in the car to pick Stacy up. She, like, pushes past the boys. And then she, like, gets in the car. And they're all like, oh, my God, Stacy's mom is so hot. Stacy's mom, played by New Zealand model Rachel Hunter. Yeah, she is great. She really fits the bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Oh, also, Stacy. You could have told me was played by Stassi Schroeder. 
and I would have believed you because she looks exactly like a little Stassi from Vanderpump Rules. She is played by actress Jana Descent. Des, Des, I'm the worst. Something I'm, Italian. Something okay. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let me see. I don't know. I can't see it. She doesn't. Oh man, she hasn't done anything since Stacy's mom. Oh no! What? We she need, should do more. She needs to do more things. Yes. Oh, Jana, I see. we are okay. here for you. Yes, we support Jana's on this podcast. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they kind of go through the tropes of these like old 80s movies where like she has the bathing suit that she pulls apart from the front. She's like walking through the sprinklers. And I don't know, you just listen to the song and that's what happens in the music video. Like they play it pretty line for line. It's about a kid who's attracted to his friend's mom. There's that very deliberate moment in the music video that rips directly from Fast Time at Richmond High where, hold on one second, I want to get everybody's name correct. Fast Times at Richmond High. Sorry, I'm doing research in IRL. No, I mean, I feel like this was the one thing that I did not realize would be difficult with starting a podcast. Is like you don't want to give false information. And then, like, I kind of black out. Like, as soon as I'm like, don't screw up, then I screw up. And I'm like, a person's name. Oh, yeah. There's the Mm -hmm. famous scene in which, what's this guy's name? I know this actor's, like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, I know who you are. Well, fuck Sean Penn, but, uh... Fair. Are you thinking if if Phoebe Cates is the one who does the walk in the sprinklers, right? Isn't it Phoebe Cates? Yes, Phoebe Cates. And the boy watching her is Judge Reinhold? Who he was, Judge you know, Reinhold? yeah, Judge mm, Reinhold. Okay. He was, uh, he's peeking through the window. He watches her come out of the pool, slow down scene, falls in love, horny boy antics. Right. Walks through the sprinkler. That, that, that's where this movie, this music video rips right from this scene. And a brilliant, nice little fun punch. So, because I, I, that's like, like one of their things is like you said before, they're really very comedic. And clearly yeah. wearing some of their, like, creative influences on their sleeve. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're a kid and you hear a song like this, you think that the band is actually singing about, um, that they really mean the song that they're writing. And then as a grown up, you're like, this song is ridiculous and it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's um, just capturing that, like nonsensical innocent like dumb innocence of like a young dummy boy and then also like growing up around these movies like like how a young boy would perceive a woman like that right and also the unrealistic idea that if only she could look at me like a real man then she will realize i'm the one for her and it's like no 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 no. you do not want this to work out that is bad. Um, but I guess Adam Schlesinger wrote this song because it is based on a true story. Did you really? hear that? I did not. Please do tell. I 
So I don't know in what context, um, but if you look on sites that give the lyrics and also give like facts about the song as you read the lyrics, um, one of them is that it is based on a real incident. I'm not sure in what sense. I'm not sure if it's somebody that like he personally knew was like in love with someone's mom or if it happened to him as a teenager, but um, it is apparently based on a real song and based on a real story. It sounds like the antics of a young New Jersey boy. Right, right, exactly. Like, maybe he had a crush on somebody's mom when he was a kid, and then, like, looking back on it as an adult was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write this song. Yeah. But, like, this song, to be fair, like, this song blew up. Like... Yeah. <laughs> this song blew It was It was the first song to reach number one most downloaded songs on iTunes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I would have never guessed that. It debuted on Billboard's Hot 100 at 59, but it would uh, it would continue to climb, and it would peak at 21 in November of 2003, and it stayed mm. on the charts for 17 weeks. Mm. I feel like also this song kind of leads into, like I said, like the click five, just the girl... But also for me on YouTube, the next thing that came up was 1985 by Bowling for Soup. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not as familiar. And like today, I'm so glad I did all this research. I really like this group and everything they've done. Why is there such a correlation with Bowling for Soup? I know. I know. I listened to that lead singer's voice and it's so nasally and annoying. I don't know what it is. Is it just that it's like, oh, this power pop song uses a bunch of 80s references. This power pop song also uses a bunch of 80s references. They must be the same. Yeah, I think a lot of people would think they're the same, but they're not. They're not like, I don't, no. we didn't do any research on Bowling for Soup, but the that song, uh, 1985, came out in 2004, a year mm -hmm. afterward. Would it be mm. would it be fair to say I'm not saying they ripped, but right. would it be fair to say that the success of you know Stacy's mom led to this idea of mm. like almost doing 80s throwbacks? Like literally, the song's called 1985, and it's also about a mom, except it kind of paints her in a really bad light. Um, I think it is fair for you to hypothesize that that song could have been influenced by what. Stacy's mom created oh yeah it just definitely seems like there was that trend following to because like when you watch Stacy's mom especially with the context of like what we're talking about and the knowing the band you see like the very clear references you see the fast times at Richmond High you see the mm -hmm. you see like the innocent perspective of a young boy like learning about adulthood and like looking at this woman after that, it just becomes like Paris Hilton eating a burger on a hot car. Right. And this is not me criticizing Paris Hilton. This is me talking about the sexualization of women in the 2000s. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, and I've talked pretty, uh, oh, I don't know, words are hard. Sorry. Um, I've talked pretty bluntly and frequently about how I participated in that sort of 2000 shaming for 
celebrity females who were like showing their bodies were very blonde and portrayed themselves as being um unintelligent and like at the time also to be fair a 12 year old girl is not going to know that like Paris Hilton eating a cheeseburger on a car is like meant to be sardonic and satirical and ridiculous I mean it it looked sexual it was sexual and to me that bothered me so you know sometimes we take things at face value for what they are and I think that Stacy's mom in the same vein it's like you take it for what it is when it first comes out as like this kid is totally like losing it over his neighbor's mom but also at the same time it's like this is puberty you know at some point you like somebody and you put them on a pedestal as no matter how ridiculous and fantasy it is oh yeah so long as those fantasies aren't hurting any other individual or putting stereotypes on the people you fantasize and it you know you don't try anything actually with it then it's okay hmm yeah no i get that so should we go over the lyrics for this song and then put it into yes the emerging trends in alt rock Yes, absolutely. Sorry, my mind blanked cool. for a second. I always want to write Stacy with an E for some reason. Do you know what's really annoying is when you type into Google Stacy's mom, bowling for soup comes up. What the fuck, man? See, this is what I'm talking about. That should be like the sub the sub headline for this video or episode. Uh bowling for soup did not perform Stacy's mom. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I'm just going to take my pick right here and just say mutual or self-assured destruction in love. Hmm. Let me think. Or romanticized youth might actually be the core of the song here. I think it is. I think it has to be more romanticized youth because it's, it's, it's more than anything other than like how hot Stacy's mom is. The video is really like the imagination of a young kid almost like idealizing adulthood by like falling in love with Stacy's mom. And that's like right. the f- tongue in cheek nature of it. It's like only like a dumb kid like this could come up with like this, these fantasies in his head of like running away with Stacy's mom. Like, right. like literally Stacy, can I come over after school? We can right. hang out around the pool. But then he asks on the third, the third time, did your mom get back from her business trip? business trip is she there or is she trying to give me the slip like these are thoughts (laughs) that only a dumb boy would (laughs) i feel like also it paints this sort of like egocentric thinking around like fantasy and putting your desires onto another person is it's like is is this person trying to give me the slip no she's not even thinking about you because you're a 12 year old child Yep, and then we get, Sasty, do you remember when I mowed your lawn, your mom came out with just a towel on. Towel on. I could tell she liked me from the way she stared. The way she stared. And then she said, you missed a spot over there. You missed a spot. I love the way they sing, too, the, the, 
like the little like stops i love that yep like this is so beautifully like a dumb dumb boy over over analyzing and overthinking everything it's just so tongue-in-cheek I think it has to be fan like romanticized youth. Like this is fair. Looking back at like being a dumb boy and being like, guys, did you ever see Stacy's mom though? <laughs> also, like at the end of the chorus, Stacy, can't you see? You're just not the girl for me. Like the way that it's like, I'm so sorry to break your heart, Stacy. But it's just, it's not good enough for me. I need more. I need a woman. How has nobody ever done Stacy's dad? It, hasn't there been a parody? Because when like I looked up Stacy's mom, the next thing that I saw was Stacy's mom parody. I'm, I found like a YouTube video. Oh, it's got like 2 million views. So maybe I'm the dummy. There is this beautiful fan art called Stacy's Dad covered by Anna YouTube channel Anna Pantsu and I guess it's a parody cover where it's about Stacy's dad cool cool yeah I'm sure that there are some out there that exist actually now I have a really interesting question what's that who plays Stacy's dad do they ever show Stacy's dad no so I think it's up to us to decide who definitively oh, like, is Stacy's dad. Who would it be if we yeah. had to choose somebody? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ralph Macchio. Ra- <laughs> <laughs> that came to me a little too easily. Well, I mean, you're sticking with the theme of it being New Jersey Italian American. Yeah. I was gonna say Kurt Russell, maybe like I like oh, a nice generous. right Kurt Russell. <laughs> I think mine budget wise would have been a little bit more possible. That's true, or maybe a Negan. What? Who, Negan. Who's the actor who plays Negan? Ah, oh, shit. Oh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's Stacy's dad. Was he like dad. an eighties guy though? What's up? Was he, like, an actor in the 80s, though? No. Yeah. Mm. I think he actually started in the 2000s. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure he was acting before this, but um, to me and anybody who watched, you know, early um, Grey's Anatomy could tell you that his career, like, blasted in the aughts because he was a patient that Katherine Heigl's character was in love with. And then she endangers him by putting him further up on the heart transplant list by, like, cutting a cord or something. I don't know. It's not really that medical. And then uh, he dies. Oh. And he was great in it. What about a Paul Rudd? Oh, my God. But he looks so young. He's always young. He's always young. Have you heard, side note, Have you heard about the, like, travesty that has taken place online over Prince William being dubbed, like, the hottest bald man at 38? What? And people are like, he's not that hot. Like, look how old he already looks compared to Paul Rudd at 51. Yeah, Prince William is not the hottest bald man at his age. 
Not a no. long shot. No. no Stanley Tucci has been wronged. <laughs> who the fuck said this? Like, he's a know, fine it's... looking man. Like, I... I don't know. Aren't, isn't The Rock also the same age? Um, The Rock made a joke about somebody else. He said somebody else was wronged. Like, he tweeted out, like, oh, Prince William is supposed to be the most handsome bald man. What about? And then he said some other bald person. Yeah, I was just, what about The Rock? Exactly. Exactly. What about a Vin Diesel? What about Stanley Tucci? You just Actually, need maybe... a touch of the Tucci. Actually, I don't know about the Vin Diesel. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they're hiring Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel's son, to be a young Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious franchise. And I'm like, we've Are gone too really? far. Yeah. <laughs> we've gone too we far. We haven't even gotten to the dinosaurs yet, Courtney. No. <laughs> it's the same company. It's Universal Studios. They'll, they'll throw dinosaurs into Fast and the Furious. They will. I can just see the trailer now. Vin Diesel says something like, hey, it's time for our last ride. And then he's like looking over at another car. He does that little like head nod. And then you look over at the other car and there's just a velociraptor driving a car off the road because it's a velociraptor and it doesn't know how to drive a car. Yeah. Well, you know what? Universe, I don't put it past them. They tried to do that dark universe. Do you remember that? They tried to do what? The dark. They tried to make the dark universe where they tried What's to- that? make superhero movies out of the old Universal Monster movies. Oh, yes, 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 yes. This was part of the new Mummy with Tom Cruise, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they even took Johnson's a photo shoot. They even took a photo shoot with all the actors that they wanted to play the famous monsters and had a logo called the Dark Universe. Don't make a universe and then the first movie in this universe fails. Yeah, also, like, don't use a beloved aughts, late 90s franchise to start it off with. Oh, we have to talk about the mummies soon. Yes, we do. Um, Also, like, Nick Miller as an undead Egyptian zombie cursed thing. I don't know. It's a weird choice. <laughs> it's, uh, that movie was just weird. Yeah, it's really weird. But okay, what can you do? Done with our aside. Um, yes, back yeah, to so, Stacy's mom. Okay, so we will put this in romanticized youth. I think that's yes. fair. Um, do we want to talk a little bit more about Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger? Um, yeah, I figure we talk about what they did afterwards, their careers, and cool. how things. Because like this song was just, like I remember. Just a, I wanted to highlight this review of the song. Mm-hmm. Richard Harrington of the Washington Post uh, dubbed it nice, nicely naughty. And <laughs> a review in the New Yorker considered this the second catchiest song of all time, second to Mrs. Robertson. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I actually think I enjoy this a little bit more because like Mrs. Robinson... I feel like still is like a little bit more literal. Yeah. Whereas like this does really play on the tongue in cheek and like knowing now like such a broad spectrum of Adam Schlesinger's career, just knowing how comedic and silly a lot of their songs were. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, so this song blows up, they're in the highlight, but then they have, they had, um, after 
Welcome Interstate Managers. They had two other albums. Are you more familiar with these albums? No, so I I haven't actually listened to that much of Fountains of Wayne. Um, okay. But I've loved all these other things, not knowing that they were Adam Schlesinger until, like, honestly, a few months before his passing. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't spent like, that much time with the actual band. I just realized, like, very close to his passing that, like, oh, my God, like, this guy, his music and the music he made for movies and TV shows really shaped, like, what I do enjoy listening to. Totally fair. Can I just follow up on our aside about uh, Prince William really quickly so I can just add some closure to that sure. rant? Okay. Yes. So apparently... This information was released by an informal study, which we all know is just media terms for absolute bullshit. Yes. Um, so I'm guessing this was just like the royal palace's PR after what happened with Meghan Hinton Harry. They're probably just like, ooh, we need to make Prince William look good again. And I think they took <laughs> that too literally because they're British. So they were like, let's remind everyone that they thought he was the cutest back in the day. And then he is a I handsome think, man. Yes. They're like, hmm, how do we restore someone's faith in Prince William? Oh, yes, let's say he's handsome. And Very everyone on the handsome. internet is like, nah, dude. Nah, we're and good. <laughs> we're good. And then I had mentioned a tweet from Dwayne The Rock Johnson where he suggests another individual. And I have the tweet here. And it says... It's so great. How in the cinnamon toast fuck does this happen when Larry David clearly has a pulse? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, the best response. And then there was um, Stanley Tucci posted a picture of a bunch of handsome bald men and also included Tilda Swinton's character in Doctor Strange. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. That is my end to the prince william rant i just wanted to provide closure so that when people listen to this they're like obviously it came from this this and that and then i can finish that up for them no totally cool okay so we we were we were talking about like post song and what these guys have really done right so you started getting into the two albums that they made after um interstate managers and I had said that, um, although, like, I haven't spent enough time actually listening to Fountains of Wayne, that I just truly, like, genuinely really love all of the other stuff that I have listened to in pop culture that I had no idea was at the hands of Adam Schlesinger. Yeah, he wrote, like, a lot of pop songs. Like, did you know he, I mean, here's the Bowling for Soup connection. He wrote their song, High School Never Ends. Oh, that's really funny. That's what With, I mean. Uh, it's like. Yeah. He was really busy, and we just didn't know it. He wrote that song with Jarrett Reddick. He also okay. wrote some Jonas Brothers songs, Hackensack by Katy Perry. Well, that's actually a cover of their song. Hackensack right. is a Fountain of Wayne song. That's my bad. No, but that's funny that Katy Perry was like, I'll cover Fountains of Wayne at some point in her career. Yeah. Um. Also, I've really loved the music that he contributed to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which includes, Mm -hmm. I mean, most of their songs, but um, the Huey in the News parody, I'm Getting By, (laughs) B.I. And um, (laughs) 
the first season villain who you are led to believe is Josh Chan's girlfriend, Valencia, who is actually just like one of the funniest characters. Um, she sings a song called Women Gotta Stick Together. And it's literally like meant to be like a Lilith Fair acoustic guitar like band women together song, but she tears them apart throughout the entire song. That's awesome. There is a demo of Adam Schlesinger singing it in a like high pitch girly voice. Nice. So um, he's really just contributed to so many wonderful things. And um, like I mentioned, like that thing you do is one of my dad's favorite movies. So I grew up watching it all the time. I'd love to watch it again now. Um, yeah, I want to rewatch yeah. it. I haven't seen it in a long yes. time. We should watch that thing you do. Great music. Oh, yeah. Some of his other projects, I know that he um, he had a side band mm-hmm. called The Tinted Windows with uh, former Smashing Pumpkins guitarist James. And, oh, uh, okay. With singer Taylor Hansen of Hansen and oh, my God, amazing. Carlos of Cheap Trick. Wow. I gotta listen to this band now. Yeah. F- uh, fuck Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, but I do Fair. love some of the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, some re- people really love Smashing Pumpkins. I've never really gotten into them, but I would listen to this band. Yeah. So he's done a lot, and it's just a real shame that, uh, you know, they're the unfortunate tragedy that would happen literally a year ago today. We would like to kind of yeah. remember and give tribute to this brilliant guy very affluent career fantastic you know musician and just all around good dude unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, a year ago today april 1st 2020 he was he had died from complications due to covid yeah um adam schlesinger was one of the early deaths um as far as like the beginning of the pandemic went for us in america he um and it's actually really sad that when rachel bloom um part of crazy ex-girlfriend and like the star of crazy ex-girlfriend is that when she was in the hospital having her baby she knew that adam was going to die in the hospital up in new york so um and i i was just so surprised when he passed away because it when you lose things that bond you with someone who is passed on, it's like your memory is in that thing. So when I heard that he had passed too, I was just so surprised and so caught off guard. Um, but what is really wonderful is that Rachel Bloom and several other people who loved working with Adam made a tribute album in memoriam of Adam Schlesinger and it's called Saving for a Custom Van. Okay. You can buy this album for $10. And it goes to the Music Cares COVID Relief Fund. And you get all these great people doing covers from everything that he's worked on. There's a cover of Pretend to be Nice from Josie and the Pussycat Dolls. Motion City Soundtrack does a cover on it. Um, Rachel Bloom does like a, a loving cover of Stacy's Mom on the album. And it's a great buy for just $10. It's a really sweet tribute album that a bunch of people made for him. 
Oh wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I think this is lovely. Um, and yeah, this is exactly a year ago that he passed away. So yeah, man. People who didn't know, go check out his stuff that he's worked on. I'm sure you'll find plenty of it. Oh yeah, no, there's mm-hmm. a lot to go through. I want to rewatch that thing you do. I, Me too. I thought it would be on Disney Plus because it's a it was a it was distributed by Fox, which is now part of the Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's not available in America, but it is on Disney Plus elsewhere. But fun fact, it's free on YouTube, so there's no reason not Ugh. to watch it. Perfect. What I also love about that movie and also kind of like fits like sort of the kitsch and comedy of his writing is there's another song by a band in the movie. I don't know if you remember this. They're kind of like the Ronettes. They're called the Shirelles. Oh, yes. And they sing this song that's like, I want you to know when you hold my hand, you hold my heart. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. that's awesome my sister and i used to sing that song all the time for no reason just that like we loved how dramatic it was yeah that's amazing should we talk a little bit about um chris collingwood too i know that um he's kind of taken a more quiet lifestyle yes well Mm -hmm. he had um he took a little more quiet yeah chris collingwood um not long after the you know the breakout hit in 2006, he um, he was he had struggled with um, some alcoholic issues and some depression, and he has been sober since 2006, and he oh, wow. lives a quiet he lives a mainly quiet life. He lives in uh, Massachusetts and has been married since 1996. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. That's so... I feel like in music and movies, it's so hard to find people who, like, stay married for that long. Yeah, I agree. But it's... Yeah, it's, he's doing all right. Um, I think also what's really sweet is that the band, after Adam's passing, they also came back together and did some, like, virtual uh, reunion shows after oh, he I didn't passed. Know yeah, so they came back together... And held like a like sort of like reunion forming after he passed. So Tom, I think we're ready to ask the questions now, right? Yes, we are absolutely ready. Okay, cool. Tom. Yes. Do you think this song would be as successful today as it was back then? Mm, that's actually a really good question. I haven't thought about putting it in terms of today um mm-hmm. it's catchy as all hell i would say it it, it it would have to i don't know if it would be as explosive as it was back then mm-hmm. i don't know if the age demographic would have understood like we also had the benefit like we didn't really know fast times at richmond high but it was still relevant enough where a lot of adults knew fast times at richmond high so that those like references weren't lost on people in 2003 mm-hmm. but i think i don't think i could like if i asked my sister like have you ever watched fast times of richmond high she would just say that she doesn't watch movies right right movies are too long so That's like i don't know that works for teenagers but i think it would it would take off to some degree because it is catchy as all hell right I do wonder how it would succeed in a world that focuses on 
like the music video as far as like YouTube goes, mm-hmm. you know, like would it meme? Would it become a TikTok explosion? That's... I think that it has that potential. Okay. I do think that it would have to be done a little bit differently nowadays. Like some things, yeah. it'd probably have to make it even more obviously ridiculous so people don't think that they're being literal or they would have to tone it down. That's a good point, yeah. So I think it's it's a potential. I think totally. it, it has potential. I don't, it's just hard to, but I mean, even nowadays when you hear that chorus or that, that guitar riff, yeah. immediately people just like with it. Yeah, yeah, I think the song itself would stay the same, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it might actually be, like, a nice mood lifter with the pandemic. It might actually just be, like, a fun, like, pick-me-up. Well, Courtney, what has yes. been your weekly obsession? Um, I'm gonna shout out a small restaurant. Well, it's not really small. They're very popular, but I'm going to... Shout out a small business in Chinatown called Dim Sum Go Go. Okay. I ordered their dim sum for the Lunar New Year. I wanted to find like a small. I wanted to find a restaurant in Chinatown, um, during the pandemic to like support small businesses and also like actually be able to like support Chinatown during the pandemic and during Lunar New Year. Um, and I've just, like, fallen in love with them. Every time I see their posts on Instagram, I just want to go back and order more food. Um, it started from this one guy's mom who decided that he that she wanted to make, like, everyone really, really good food. And I feel like that's very special and precious. And they're just really wonderful. So if you're Beautiful. in New York, you should check out Dim Sum Go-Go. Nice. All right. Tom, what is your obsession? Uh, I watched Kong Skull Island for the first time ever. I fucking loved it. Like, it's not... Really? um, Yes, yes. Kong Skull Island. I haven't seen it, which is weird. Like, I thought I would have seen it by now, but I haven't. But I finally watched it, uh, I would say, Sunday night. And the... It's very much like the characters are not deep at all. They're very surface level and very much like characters you would watch in an old television serial. Okay. But that kind of works in its favor. It's just a fun monster movie. There's a lot of Kong. Um, John C. Riley steals the show. He's by far the best character in the movie. I love John C. Riley. Like, first of all, he's great in Chicago. And separately, I love him in Talladega Nights. Yeah. Find yourself a guy who can do both. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like this. It's like the movie does leave you wanting more because it's not like with the original. Like if you watch the original King Kong or even Peter Jackson's King Kong, which is a fucking three hour epic. That is the last one that I saw. Yeah. And I saw it with my dad and I was just like, is she going to get it with the gorilla? And he was like. (laughs) It is implied that there is, like, a romantic connection. And I was just like, fuck this stupid movie. <laughs> so, this time around, it's okay. very simple. There's an island called Skull Island. Uh, John Goodman's character works for Monarch, and he he wiggles his way into a senator's office to get funding from the United States government to investigate this island. 
they get stuck on the island and they have to get off the island where there is okay. a giant Kong and there are monsters. And it okay. is simple. It's straightforward. It's and it's just fun. It's just a let's get off this island movie. It was very. It made me excited to watch this new Godzilla versus Kong because I'm not gonna lie. As much mm-hmm. as I love these monster movies, I was not huge about the last two Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shin, Shin Godzilla is a very good movie, but that's mm-hmm. a gross Godzilla. Like he's it disgusting. is a pretty gross Godzilla. He's a creepy Godzilla. That final yeah. shot of the movie is very upsetting. Also, like I think that if we're gonna keep rebooting things, can we stop turning them into like quote unquote dark and edgier reboots? Because like nobody asked for a winks where a threesome happens. Also, are you referring to the four-hour Snyder cut of Justice League? I'm applying to that. I'm implying the creepy Godzilla and also, like, all of the drama that's happening with the live-action reboot of Last Avatar, um, Last Airbender. Oh, my God, words. The last... Avatar, the last Airbender. There we go. Figured it out. Um, Because the reason that the original creators of the show walked away from the live-action one is because they wanted to make them older and make it grittier and I'm, I'm just tired like you can make a reboot and just make it for what it is and that's what people loved about it you don't need to make fair. it darker totally fair yeah totally fair but yeah i give kong right. skull island a thumbs up i enjoyed it cool. uh, i also did watch the four hour cut of justice league yes it's 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 it's, it's a movie it is a four-hour movie it's about four Justice League. Long. Okay, so um, quick side note. I'm going to complain about yeah. this real quick. What yeah, pissed yeah. me off the most about Justice League... <laughs> um, I will say that the characters are better. I enjoyed watching some scenes with these characters. Cyborg definitely got a lot more in this movie than he did before. Poor Ray Fisher. Um, but... So, the first hour of this four-hour monster... Builds up this enemy, dark side, right? Like big time, like dark side, dark side, dark side. And if you're if you're familiar with DC Comics, dark side is the ruler of Apocalypse, one of the new gods, one of these like cosmic deities that came about in, like at a very popular time around the same time. You know, just predates Thanos, predates like a lot of these cosmic beings, like these larger than life cosmic yeah, villains. But like. What these people don't realize is, like, all these comic book creators, like, it's all incestuous. Like, they would... It's essentially, like, Verizon versus Time Warner. Because you just... You leave one company because they won't pay you more. So then you go to the other one. You basically create the same idea there. Then you leave that company, go to the other one, get more money for coming back to it. Yeah. So. So, like... Darkseid is a well-known villain, right. especially to Superman. Right. So this movie tries to build up Darkseid as this big, ominous threat. Like, Steppenwolf is still the main villain, but now there's like, oh, Darkseid's coming, Darkseid's coming. And then you, there's this epilogue flashback an hour into the movie where Wonder Woman tells Batman about who Darkseid is, and she's like, Years ago, there was a war, and like all these the, the Atlanteans, the humanity, the Greek gods, or they call them the old gods, 
and the Amazonians mm -hmm. all get together to fight Darkseid. And they're trying to build up how evil and scary and ominous Darkseid is. They kick his ass in like five seconds. They kick his ass so bad that he leaves Earth and forgets the weapon. Like that's the plot of this entire movie is okay. that Darkseid got his ass kicked so bad he left the mother boxes on Earth and forgot where they were. Also, mother boxes is not a term. It's not a sexy superhero term. No. Like, mother boxes? Like, that doesn't sound ominous. Like, at yeah. least the all spark sounds like it means something. Yeah. But, like, that's just what I don't get. Like, some people, and you know what it is? The DC, the hardcore Zack Snyder fans will defend it and be like, well, the movie's not about the villain, it's about these heroes. And I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. But at the same then, time, I'm not going to take the threat seriously if he gets his ass kicked in the first five minutes of him showing up. Yeah, also the design for Darkseid honestly just looks like Enchantress's brother in Suicide Squad. He's terrible looking. Like, it's almost the same exact character design. It's awful. Like, there's just... The, these movies, unfortunately, have, like, a copy-paste format of just Big Grey Monster Man. Yeah. They're all just, like, literally Big Grey Monster Men with nothing, like, interesting to them. Yeah, I genuinely thought that the plot for Suicide Squad would be, like, the Joker is pulling Harley aside. Like, they're on a task. Joker keeps pulling Harley aside to, like, make him make her do his bidding and there's like strife between the group because like he's still a bad guy and she's supposed to be on the suicide squad she's supposed to be doing something for good i didn't know that it was going to be just like another monstrous creature that means the end of the world again oh no like mm -mm. oh no yeah <laughs> another cgi henchman oh no <laughs> uh, oh, that being good said news. Yes. In good news, yes. uh, James Gunn's James Gunn's suicide, the Suicide Squad, yes. looks pretty good. Oh my god, it. everything about it is exactly what I would have wanted from the first one. A killer shark. Yeah. King <laughs> and that's shark. An, I feel like making Sylvester Stallone the killer shark and him just being like, hand, food. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes vindication yeah, oh my god i remember that conversation it I made know. no sense <laughs> guys thank you so much for tuning mm -hmm. in we're very excited to continue this mini series about one hit wonders of the 2000s which i still don't like the term one hit wonder because there really aren't but like we we get the concept and what that really means but we should call it the oneaters the oneaters we should set it up as that thing you do where they because they uh, wanted to go by the one hit wonders as in o-n-e and then throughout the rest of the movie they keep telling them to scrap it because people keep reading it as the oneaters oh okay yes meta joke <laughs> i appreciate it but with that everybody thank you so much for tuning in be sure to follow us on the instagram at remember the zero zero s podcast bam you can follow, you can listen to us on Spotify. Bam. Google. Bam. iTunes. Oh no, the alarms are starting up now. Oh. Amazon. Bam. Bam. Just type us into Google, you will find us. We did the SEO really good, unlike other people. 
Yes. Tom's Yay. SEO game is on point. You should put that on like your resume or your dating profile. Put it on a profile, Tom. <laughs> Any I profile. Do have, I do not have a dating profile, but if I, a- I open I open up a new one, I'll be like Ladies and gentlemen, my SEO yes. game is on point. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And be sure to tune in for the next one. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.